Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? I am so honored to be here and just to have this opportunity. If you don't know me, my name is Bridget and I'm a senior here at Cornerstone. And a fun little fact, I have about three more weeks until I'm alumni of Cornerstone. <laughs> Thank you for the booze, I appreciate it. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan found in Luke 10, 25 through 37. And how showing mercy to our neighbor is so incredibly important. Because showing mercy and compassion starts with loving God above all else, truly understanding who your neighbor is and how we can live this out in our own life, which is what we're going to be diving into today. So I'm going to do something a little different. I don't know if you guys do this, but I'm going to ask you all to stand with me as we read this passage. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test putting Jesus to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. When he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will, pay, will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that we all get to be here. We all get to praise you. We all get to just dive into your word, Lord. I just ask for your blessing over this chapel, Lord, that we get what we need to get out of this passage and that we know how to apply it to our own lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are here and you are welcome here, and I just pray you just transform our lives today and forever. In your name, amen. You can all be seated. Thank you. So when Jesus is posed with the question, how do you inherit eternal life? He answers with the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as yourself. But how do we do that? This isn't the first time or the last time we hear these words of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus says it again in Mark 12 when a scribe asked him, what is the greatest commandment? more important than any other one. And he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And this verse that Jesus is stating is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. So what does that mean? Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, loving God with all your heart means loving him exclusively. Above all else, nothing else has your attention. No job, no class, no relationship. You put your time and your energy into praising him with your talents and keeping his commandments. If what you're doing does not delight in God's heart, you're not loving God with your whole heart. Loving him with all your soul is finding satisfaction in him. 
more than any other person or thing. Loving God with all your heart and soul is loving him with unlimited, unconditional devotion. And loving God with all your mind is making every decision align and obey with his commandments. And loving God with all your might or your strength is spending time with him, praising him through the really, really good times in life and through the really, really hard times in life. I really love this quote by Beth Kreitzer that says, loving God above all things means to place him before all things, all others, even oneself, and to devote all time and attention to doing God's will and giving him thanks and praise. In our lives, this looks like spending uninterrupted time with him in that secret place, just you and him spending quality time. This looks like stopping and saying, God, wherever you call, I promise I will go. This looks like loving him through others. Another quote that I'm gonna throw you is from Kent Hughes, who's a pastor, and he says this in one of his books. You must love God with all that you are, and if you do, you will be able to love others as you love yourself. Which gives us our second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, which is what the lawyer questions. Who is my neighbor? Well, I have a little story for you guys. Last summer, I was driving home from work, and I was on a road back home that's kind of like the Beltline, and there was this really big accident in the middle. So we're all down to one lane, all on the right, left, right side. <laughs> and I was just driving and going super slow, and all of a sudden, my car stalls out. Everything shuts down, the air goes off, my radio shuts off, and I have just enough time to slightly pull my car to the side of the road and just sit there on this little side. It was not big at all. And I was panicking, I didn't know what to do. I called my dad, I was crying my eyes out uncontrollably. He literally couldn't even understand what I was saying, and I was scared. Well, while I was sitting there crying on the phone with my dad, I hear this knock on my window. That kind of gave me a little scare. So who's knocking on my window in traffic? Well, it was this officer from across the street that was helping out with the accident. I rolled down my window, and honestly, I will never forget his kindness. He tried to help me figure out what was wrong with my car, if we could move it any way. He also was just there to help me calm down because I was petrified. I truly did not know what to do. As a Samaritan in our passage, this officer saw someone struggling on the side of the road and decided that he was gonna help. He looked at me and said, she needs help. And he decided to go, because <laughs> I did. <laughs> he was showing kindness to his neighbor. Your neighbor is anyone around you, anyone near you. So look to your left, that person, that person is your neighbor. This is my left, that's your left. <laughs> now look the other way, to your right, that person is your neighbor as well. You just looked at the back of their heads, but you know who they are because you're sitting next to them. That person is your neighbor. That person behind you in line at Starbucks is your neighbor. I know you all go to Starbucks so much because I see you there. Yep, I see you guys. <laughs> that person, when you're going in to just grab your to-go order, that person is your neighbor as well. That person in that one class that just asks way too many questions and kind of gets on your nerves, that person is your neighbor. In our passage, the Samaritan wasn't the only one that saw the beaten man on the side of the road. You see, in verses 31 and 32, the priest saw the man and passed by on the other side. And then a Levite saw the man and passed by on the other side. You see, priests and Levites were the highest of religious leaders. They had the highest status of God's people. A priest served as a mediator between God and man, and a Levite was a highly privileged individual 
a descendant of Levi, one of the 12 sons of Jacob. They had responsibilities within the temple. And that means they knew this verse. They knew Deuteronomy 6. They studied it. They preached it. They had it hidden in their heart. And yet, they did not follow God's commandment. They said, I'm going to look at this man, maybe have a little pity in my heart, but I'm going to pass by on the other side, even though I know what God has commanded me to do. And yet, a Samaritan over all people fulfilled the law of God. Everyone around you is your neighbor, whether you like it or not. Our neighbors are our enemies who might bring us into danger, danger or just might have a bad influence on us. Matthew 5, 43 to 44 says this, you have heard what it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How powerful is this? So maybe it's that girl in, the cl- in your hall that you don't think really likes you that much, or that professor that just grades you way too hard for an intro class, which is very annoying. <laughs> or maybe it's someone that actually really, really hurts you in your past. Here's the thing. We are so good at harboring resentment and hate towards others. It's actually so incredibly natural for us. But to become more like Christ, we need to be loving and accepting. Loving your enemies is a powerful way to overcome evil with good. And only with God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and working in your heart are you able to love your enemies unconditionally. Think of it this way. Our greatest example in life is Jesus Christ. He's our greatest influencer. That was literally our theme last year. Christ, our greatest influence. And he, being betrayed and persecuted, went to a cross to die for our sins. He loved us so much and he forgave us of our all sins. There is nothing more powerful than his love, his mercy, and his compassion on the cross. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were filled with the one thing that Christ hates, sin. Sin is the enemy of God and the friend of the devil. And yet, filled with that, filled with hate, filled with anger, he said, I'm going to go to a cross and I'm going to die for you so I can have eternal life with you in heaven. It's incredible. There's nothing greater than that. And we are told to go and have the same compassion and mercy as Christ did on the cross and as the Samaritan did in our passage. You see, in our modern world, the word Samaritan is a good thing. I was watching the Penn State-Michigan game the other day, and through all of the commercials that we saw that day, I saw this one of this, I think it was GM truck, and it said, if you have this truck, you can be a good Samaritan because you can help out and all this and this big marketing scheme, right? It was labeled as this good thing. But when Jesus was teaching this parable, it wasn't necessarily a good thing. It wasn't a good thing at all, especially to a Jew. Even in John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, she questions him. Why are you, a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan woman, for water? Why are we having this interaction to begin with? The Jews shunned the Samaritans way back when, and they're first mentioned in Ezra, because the Samaritans intermarried and stopped following some of the Jewish laws. And still, to our time in this passage, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. So think of the greatest rivalry you can think of. Think of Michigan and Ohio State. Multiply it by a thousand, and that's what you have here. 
They killed each other. They stole from each other. They did not like each other. So in our passage, when Jesus asked the lawyer, who is a neighbor to this wounded man? The lawyer replied, the one who showed him mercy. The one who showed him mercy. The lawyer couldn't even say the Samaritan. That's how much he didn't like him. But Jesus' command right after is so incredibly powerful. Go and do likewise. He's telling the Jew to go and have the same compassion and mercy as the Samaritan did. I wonder how many times we act like the priest or the Levite or even the lawyer in our story. How many times we see someone struggling on the side of the road, maybe. We go, no, I'm not gonna help them. We see someone having a bad day in favor and we get this little tug at our heart. Maybe I should go and pray for them. But instead we say, no, that's too awkward. It's way too awkward to pray on my Christian campus. That's weird. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) You see, as Christians, as pastors, as ministry interns, as Sunday school teachers, We have this calling on our life and yet sometimes we act like the priest or the Levite. We know the commandments, we know the word and yet we pass by on the other side. We feel that tug in our hearts but ultimately we say, no God, I'm not gonna follow what you have for me. I'm not gonna do what you commanded, which is so dumb because Jesus died on the cross for us. He gave us eternal life in heaven so we didn't have to be condemned to hell. And yet he asked us one simple thing, go and pray to me with this person who looks like they're struggling or go help this person. And we we say, nah, I'm good. That's just a little too awkward. How does that make sense? Obviously, we're not gonna go find a donkey and have some oil and look for some dying man on the side of the road. That would be a little odd, and we don't really use donkeys anymore. But this could be like helping someone with a broken down car on the side of the road. But maybe you don't have any mechanical skills. I know I don't. But if you're stuck in a cold ditch on a wintry, icy night, you would want someone with that GM truck to come and be a good Samaritan to you, now wouldn't you? Or at least take you to someplace warm. He doesn't even have to get your car out. What is crucial about this And what is crucial about the Samaritan is being full of compassion and love. The good Samaritan had mercy on him. The lawyer even admitted it, and he hated him. The priest and the Levite might have had some pity in their hearts, but ultimately, the Samaritan had mercy and compassion, and that is what Jesus is telling us to do. Go and do likewise. Go and have mercy on others. Go showing your enemies compassion and love. Go and do what Jesus did on the cross. Going and doing likewise is impossible unless you truly love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. All that you are and all, and you allow God, you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart and work in your life. I'm gonna leave you with this quote from Peter Walpott. Wherever this love is poured out from God into our hearts, It teaches true community through the Holy Spirit and the bond of peace. Here, we do not desire to have an advantage over our neighbor, but equality and common concern for each other. That's what Jesus did. He had concern, and that's how we should be, have concern for others' hearts. We are commanded by God to love him, to love others, and to go out 
in the world proclaiming his love that he's done in your hearts so people understand and know Jesus. I'm gonna ask you all to stand again with me and I'm gonna give you a little invitation. You might be sitting there and saying, wow, I just need to praise Jesus and I pray that whatever you do in these next moments that it just comes from the Lord. You can sit there, you can pray, you can stand, you can praise his great name for loving you, for giving you the ability to love others properly and unconditionally. And you can talk to someone. We have some pretty great interns down here that love God overall and love you so, so much. And you can talk to them about anything, whether it's something you're struggling with or whatever it may be. But also, if, you're, if you heard me talk about Christ, having Christ in your heart and you don't have Jesus in your heart, I pray and I urge you that you receive salvation today. So again, we have great interns out here that would love to pray with you and love to spend that time with you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you for your gift of love and salvation. Thank you for giving us the ability through you to love others properly and unconditionally. Lord, I pray that we just take what you have in your word and we apply it to our lives and that we go and we do likewise. Jesus, I just thank you for Cornerstone, for everyone here, Lord, and for the passion that you've given all of us to just serve you, Jesus. In your name, amen.